Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. What language did God speak? This was a question my professor asked. My professor was a Jewish rabbi, and he was teaching a class on Judaism to a classroom full of Christian seminarians who looked around at each other, rather puzzled at his question. When nobody dared answer, he asked again, what language did God speak? Guys, it's not that hard. Come on, think about it. When God spoke the creation into being, what language did he use? I imagine me and my classmates probably looked a lot like dogs do when they are confused with their heads cocked to the side. So he asked a third time, when God said the words, let there be light, what language did he say it in? We were a classroom full of third-year seminarians in our last semester. Within months, we would be ordained by a bishop, take a job somewhere, and be expected to know answers to simple questions such as this one our rabbi professor was asking. Perhaps we were overthinking the question. The thought even entered my mind, is this possibly a trick question of some sort? A chance for the wise Jewish rabbi to show up a bunch of soon-to-be Episcopal priests? Am I to know what language God used to speak the wonder of creation into being? I don't remember discussing any of this in my Old Testament classes. Am I supposed to know with what language the Creator brought the birds of the air about and the fish of the sea and even humanity itself? I think my classmates were contemplating the same things because still no one dared answer the rabbi's question. It's Hebrew, folks. The words God spoke were Hebrew, said our professor, a little puzzled that nobody had an answer. Yehior, which means let there be light, are the Hebrew words God said when he brought the light into being. Hebrew. Hebrew is the language spoken by God when the earth and all therein was created. There is no coincidence 
that both Genesis and the Gospel of John open with the same words, in the beginning. In the beginning. Genesis and the first chapter of John are inextricably linked to each other. So in order to better understand our gospel lesson today, we must go back. We must go back to the beginning. We must go back to Genesis. We must go back to the creation story. We know that God was no mere spectator of creation. He was not simply a passive or innocent bystander. Creation came into being through the very words that God Himself spoke. Let there be light. And by gosh, there was light. As the craftsman uses his tools to sculpt a masterpiece, as the artist uses his brush to convey beauty on a canvas, as the author uses a pen to create her novel, so did God use words to spring forth His creation. Everything intricately came into being through God's Word. The Word of God created the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. The Word of God separated the night from the day. And the Word of God created the seas and molded the dry land. Then, the Word of God created you and me. And the Word of God deemed it all very good. Yes, the fingerprints of God can be seen in the face of every person because every person has been created in the image of God by the Word of God when He spoke. Let us make humankind in our own image. Everything came into being through the Word spoken by God. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us in this holy Christmas season. John tells us this morning, that which the Word created in the beginning, the Word has now become. The same God that spoke us into being in the beginning and deemed us good has now become us in this Christmas season. We strive each year to create the perfect Christmas. Instead of preparing for the Word of God to become us, we prepare for other things. We remember Christmas seasons of yore and how perfect they seemed, and we strive very hard to recreate those magical Christmases each year. We want the cookies to smell and taste just like Granny's. We hold fast to those traditions passed on to us by our parents. We bake. We wrap, we clean, we cook, we host, we decorate, all in the name of searching and creating that perfect Christmas. We want Christmas to be a picture print by Courier and Ives. Last year, I was given a collection of sermons from the late Reverend Joe Rowland, who was a priest in this diocese. This past week, I pulled his sermon from the first Sunday in Christmas in 1991. He preached on this same gospel lesson we have heard this morning, and here's what he had to say about it. It seems that once Christmas is over, after the gifts are open, after the trees and the decorations are put away, and after the carols have come to a hush, 
there is a letdown. We feel exhausted. We wonder once again if it were worth it. And we find that somewhere along the way, we have missed the point of this season. But as we pause a moment this morning, let us remember that our gospel lesson reminds us that in the birth of our Savior, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. My friends, at the heart of Christmas is the sober realization that Christmas was and never is meant to be perfect. The first Christmas itself was far from perfect. Luke tells us that our Lord was born in terrible conditions among nasty, smelly animals and of the poorest accommodations in a barn. Matthew tells us that our Lord was a refugee on the run from fear of a jealous King Herod. Then there was a slaughter of male children two years and under by that same paranoid King Herod. There was uncertainty in that first Christmas. There was fear in that first Christmas. There was pain and suffering in that first Christmas. There was heartache in that first Christmas. There was oppression in that first Christmas. Yes, Christmas was never meant to be perfect. Even this Christmas, the hungry still cry for bread. The oppressed still wonder why God has not intervened. The homeless still wander the streets. There is still fear. There is still pain and suffering. There is still heartache. But, as Reverend Joe Rowland said to his congregation on the first Sunday in Christmas of 1991, let us pause a moment this morning and remember that our gospel lesson reminds us in the birth of our Savior, the Word became flesh and lived among us. The Word which created us in the beginning has now become us. The Word which created the birds of the air and the fish of the sea knows our pain and suffering knows our fear, knows our uncertainty, knows our heartache. The word which separated the night from the day and separated the seas from the dry land knows what it is like to be me, knows what it is like to be you, to grieve, to laugh, to hope, to get angry, to joke around, to relax, to take a nap, to weep, to forgive, to work, to question where is God, and to suffer. God became flesh and lived our lives. There is hope. There is joy. There is mercy. There is love. There is grace upon grace. And in that, there is Christmas. And there is nothing more perfect than that. Merry Christmas. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.